In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Do you realize the people who will be weeping at your funeral or the people who will be glad that you're gone are the people you either leaned into during that stress bubble or the people that you rejected? It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, I salute you. Guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Equipping Men in 10. I'm Jim Ramos, your host of Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men and your guide to leading you to your best version, even in the stress bubble of life. Guys, I want to jump into the podcast. There's something that's been on my heart today. I want to talk to you guys out of John chapter four, verses four through 10. In this situation, Jesus is in the southern part of Palestine. He's in uh, the area called Judea. So ancient Palestine was broken into three sections, Judea, Samaria, and Galilee. And it was about 120 miles from tip to tip. If you were a devout Jew, you would never pass through the area of Samaria. You would head east, get to the Jordan River, which is the eastern border of Palestine. There you would head up. Uh, maybe you'd take a boat across the Dead Sea. Maybe you would uh, you know, go around it. You would do whatever you could to bypass Samaria. In this situation, we see Jesus doing something radical. Let me read it to you. And he had to pass through the area of Samaria. You can hear John with the saying saying, he had to do it. So he came to the city of Samaria called Seashar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It it was about the sixth hour, that's noon, and there came about a woman from Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink of water, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews never have dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who said to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So I want to take this section of Scripture, and I want to tell you three things that stand out to me as a man. The first thing is this. In this story, we see Jesus is tired. Verse 6 says, so Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So the sixth hour was, it was noon. So let's say Jesus, this journey that Jesus is on, it was probably about an 80-mile journey from where he started to where he was going. So you've got to figure at least three or four days of walking. 
So it's noon. Let's say Jesus had been walking since 6 a.m. That's six hours of walking. The average person walks three miles an hour. So they've got their gear and their camp gear on, and he's got this backpack or whatever he's carrying full of stuff. So it would have taken him at three miles an hour. It would have, he would have been 18 miles before he got to this well. Let's say conservatively they left at 7 in the morning. That's five hours. Uh, or that's five hours of walking. That would be 15 miles. So regardless, he's probably walking in some kind of sandal. He's definitely not wearing his Solomons or his, his Asics trail runners or whatever. So he's tired. He's weary. So he's sitting down. The next thing we know is we know that he's thirsty because verse 7 says, There came a woman from Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. So we know two things for sure. We know Jesus is tired, and we know Jesus is thirsty. In verse 7, it says, you know, he asked the woman for a drink, and it says in verse 8, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So now we know three things about Jesus. We know he's tired, we know he's thirsty, and we know he's hungry. Tired, thirsty, hungry. Jesus engages her in a dialogue, and he probably shouldn't have because not only was she a Samaritan, but she was a woman, and she was a woman who was not married and living with another man outside of marriage. So she was like a three strikes and you're out, like you do not talk to this woman. But Jesus engages her in conversation. He changes her life. She goes into the city. She tells the men of the city. They come out. They follow her out to see Jesus. They give their lives to Christ. And in one conversation, a whole city has changed. And here's what impacted me about this story. Jesus is tired, he's thirsty, and he's hungry. But Jesus showed up. What does that mean to me? What does that mean to you as a man? It means this. It means you and I, guy, we need to show up for those that we love. So when you come home at night from work, your wife, who's been watching the kids all day, or, the, or, or maybe your kids have been at a preschool or an elementary school or whatever, they are needing you. They are looking forward to seeing you. My wife, when we were raising our ch children, she stayed at home. She spoke baby talk all day. And when I came home, she wanted to engage me in conversation. I showed up tired. Maybe I showed up hungry and wanting dinner. Maybe I showed up thirsty. But regardless of whether I'm hungry, tired, or thirsty, men show up. So men, you need to show up for those who love you and depend on you. Do you realize the people who will be weeping at your funeral or the people who will be glad that you're gone are the people you either leaned into between the hours of five and nine at night during that stress bubble or the people that you rejected? Even though you're tired, hungry, and thirsty, when you come home at night, you need to show up for those you love. The second takeaway from it for me is this. We need to show up to share Christ with others. You know, 1 Peter 3.15 says, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is within you, yet with gentleness and reverence, and keep a good conscience so that the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. In other words, I need to show up. I need to be ready to share Christ with that barista at the coffee shop. I need to be ready to share Christ with that waiter who's serving me lunch. I need to be ready to share Christ with, in Oregon, people pump our own gas for us. Oregon and New Jersey are the two states that do that. In Oregon, when that gas station attendant comes to pump my gas, I need to be ready. No matter what I'm feeling physically, weariness, thirst, or hunger, I always show up for those who need to hear about Jesus. And I think that that is a massive problem with men today, guys. 
We are not showing up to share Christ. We're shrinking back. We're shrinking away from it. But Hebrews 10.39 tells us, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but through faith are saved. And I would add, and save others. So show up for those you love. Show up to share Christ. And the last one is this, and this is alarming to me. And this is really why I wanted to talk to you. Show up to your life. You know, Tony Campolo once said, instead of praying at night, uh, if I die before I wake, he said, many of us should pray, if I wake before I die. And what's alarming to me is how many Christian men are actually showing up for their family. They're showing up to everything, but they're not showing up to themselves. You need to show up for your life. You only have one life to live. My favorite poem is, is this. Though you not, not, cannot go back and make a brand new start, my friend, everyone can start now and make a brand new end. Show up to your life. I, I, you know, I, I see this all the time. Men who don't show up to their bodies, and they let their bodies disintegrate, and they die before they should. Men who don't show up for their minds, they don't do anything to, to grow in knowledge, and, and their minds shrink and shrivel and, and ultimately die away. Or, or men who don't show up to their life after retirement, and they just kind of live in this selfish life and don't serve anybody else, and they wither up and die. Or men who they, shri- they, they don't show up for their dreams. And they allow their life to be led by other people's dreams and other people's plans and other people's goals. And so, guys, show up to this thing that you can only live once your life. So show up to those who you love. Show up for the for, for to share show up. <laughs> show up for those you love. Show up to share Christ with those who need to hear about him. And show up to your life because you only have one life to live. My life verse is John 10.10. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. So guys, show up to your life. I want to show up to my life every day of my life. I hope you do as well. Guys, make sure you head on over to menandarena.org. Grab your free copy of my book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. This is a great book. I can't believe it's free. Probably should charge you for it. Actually, we're coming out with a a desk calendar in June for Father's Day. This book will be on a desk calendar that you can put on your desk, and every day you can go through uh, one of the 208 things I have in there, I think, that help you to be a better dad. So, And while you're there, guys, you have to go sign up to join our program, guys. We need to get you in small groups. We need to get you plugged in to a community of guys that will encourage you on your journey to showing up. So make sure you click the Join Our Program button now, select the team you want to be on based on the time zone and time of the week, and get rolling, guys. Until next time, feel the wet sound on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. Be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. 
What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.